Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The global energy crisis is spreading, enveloping Europe. Blackouts, a home heating crisis, and international tensions between different nations over holding on to natural gas supplies for domestic use are concerns. Dr. Thierry Bro joins us. He's a professor at Sciences Po in Paris, leading expert on markets, geopolitics of oil and gas, and energy security. He's an oil and gas expert at the French Energy Ministry, where he was in charge of security supplies, and he was voted the best European gas analyst four years in a row. He advised on emergency issues at the International Energy Agency and the European Commission. His books include The European Gas Markets, Challenges and Opportunities, and the Oxford Handbook of International Security. Uh, Dr. Bro is also a contributor, regular contributor to naturalgasworld.com. Professor Bro, thank you very much for taking the time. How are you? I'm fine. Good afternoon. Thank you for inviting me. That's great to talk to you. You're, is you. So is Europe facing an energy crisis this winter and one which may result in an energy shortfall, which could make just staying warm at home a challenge? The short answer is yes, unfortunately. Perhaps not staying warm at, at home because we have a system in Europe where residential customers have priorities. So uh, we will still be warm at home, but we, will, may, we may have industries that will be forced to shut in, which is uh, what you call a blackout or demand destruction. And would this be Europe-wide or would it be contained to one or two countries? That's a, a very interesting question because we have a solidarity mechanism inside the EU. So it is something that is for the 27 member states, which states that priority customers, as, as I stated, the residential one. And so, therefore, we should be in a position to switch off some industries somewhere to make sure that those, industri- that those residential are still warm in their home. The problem here is, well, uh, are we going to switch off some French industry to warm Germans, or are we going to switch some German industry to warm the French? And, and this is why, in theory, everything works very well. But in practice, we may see some very difficult implementation of this solidarity mechanism. And I think this is perhaps also where the Kremlin is pushing this energy crisis a bit more to see if the theory of the solidarity mechanism is going to work smoothly in Europe. Uh, My bet, it's not going to work very smoothly. Yeah, this is uh, President Putin with his natural gas supplies and his his, uh, pipeline under the Baltic, which the German government has now said that according to its rules and regulations must be owned by a German subsidiary. But ultimately, it's President Putin who has his hand on the valve, isn't it? Yes, on, on this one. But again, as you stated, now the, the ball is in the, in the German court. I mean, it's going to be the German that will have to decide. The, uh, I think, personally, that here we, we have uh, an, uh, uh, an opportunity here because 
I mean, this pipe is uh, stranded for now, and so we can decide and we can go on and go on with this kind of saga and every 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 more every morning every every afternoon we have some news flow. Or we should, I think, uh, put this back to the political level, to the highest political level. And I think, as you stated, I mean, it's President Putin, but it should be President Ursula von der Leyen that with him discuss a broad system. I mean, there is this pipe, and as I stated, we are receiving less gas from Russia than uh, we could expect, and I think this could be an opportunity for leaders to re-engage in, in the system, because we need to go back to reality, we need to go back to real politics. Yeah. Let me just expand on that a bit, and from and just run this past year, as I understand it. Norway, which is another major exporter, energy exporter, natural gas, has seen natural gas prices increase rather sevenfold in the last year, and it's exploring whether the country may in fact stop natural gas exports to its EU partners if that's deemed necessary by the Norwegian government. Serbia as well is investigating halting electricity exports in order to keep its own citizens supplied, and France has threatened to reduce power exports to Britain's Channel Islands over fishing rights. Meanwhile, Ireland has already interrupted wind power supplies to the UK, saying the country is in dire straits and facing blackouts. So this sounds to me like a critical mass situation is developing and that Europe is facing a natural gas shortage, which may see European nations increasingly refusing to export energy to their partners, the cutting edge of a political crisis. Do you believe, and let's come back to what you just said, do you believe, given all of these factors, that the political will will exist to operate as a union, as a cooperative entity, or will they just pull back and say, we'll take care of ours first? I, I think, unfortunately, it may be the, the second option. It may be the second option for, for two reasons. First of all, uh, uh, again, the country that has a lot of energy uh, is France, and France is going to run for presidential election. So it may be very difficult for an outgoing president to uh, switch off some uh, plants in France to uh, provide electricity or gas to others. So that's the first element. And second element, perhaps, uh, what you didn't mention is the fact that in France we are pro-nuke, and you've seen some European countries at COP26 making a lot of noise against nukes. So again, it may be also a question of responsibility. If you're uh, in Austria, if you're in Germany, and you don't want nuke, uh, well, maybe uh, going to be saved by your uh, fellow European is going to be uh, more uh, difficult or less likely. Did you ever, Professor Bro, think that we would be arriving at the situation that we're at now, the world facing this this energy crunch? Was this predictable? I think it, it could have been predicted because I think what we made a mistake in the energy transition is what I call the uh, demand reduction dogma. We've always believed in Europe, but I'm sure in other places as well, that we were going to consume less uh, and this was going to be cheaper for our people and we were going to pollute less. Uh, with this, uh, the fact that we are receiving less Russian gas, we end up in the situation where we are consuming the same amount, we are polluting more, and uh, we are paying much, much more. So I think this could have been uh, expected. I, I believe, you know, that the commodity is a boom and bust cycle, but we've exacerbated this cycle by wanting to push uh, fossil gas as we call it in Europe now, we don't call it natural gas, we call it fossil gas. We wanted to push fossil gas out of an energy mix, and gas is 
25% of our energy mix. So you cannot do something without it. Yeah, you call what's happening now, you've described it anyway, as the revenge of the fossil fuels. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a revenge because, I mean, you cannot get your energy transition without it uh, unless you invest massively, massively, massively in uh, the ability of people to consume less, what I call demand reduction, in the fact that we are also uh, have to educate people uh, that the renewable is not exactly the same electricity as the one that we get from a gas fire power plant or from a nuclear plant. One is intermittency it's intermittent renewable electricity and the other one is when you want and people want energy when they wish not when the sun is uh, shining or the wind is blowing so i think all those are very nice on the paper but in reality it's much more difficult and this is where we are stuck in our energy transition uh, we, we it's going to be difficult to say to people you are going to have to live with less comfort uh, you are going to heat your home less People are not going to re-elect people saying this. So this is where, uh, if we want to solve the uh, crisis, uh, the climate crisis, we have to consume gas and to push coal out of the mix and to do what the UK has done pretty well, by the way, which is what I call a coal to gas to renewable switch. But you cannot do a coal to renewable or renew or a nuke to renewable overnight. Mm-hmm. Canada is facing our usual very cold winter. Energy costs are climbing rapidly, contributing to inflation, and we can't even supply ourselves domestically because we don't have a national pipeline infrastructure, and the political will is directed elsewhere. What what do you think we should be expecting in this country? I mean, you're facing, as I the same kind of policymakers as we have. I mean, again, the the question, and and you had this uh, poll, which is very important. I mean, people are in favor of climate as long as it doesn't cost them more. But the energy transition is going to cost us a fortune and it's going to impact our lives. So we need, policymakers need to be realistic, need to be pragmatic and need to share the truth with the people. We cannot say energy transition is going to happen overnight and this will be solved. I mean, COP26 was not a success. And again, if we need uh, to, uh, to pollute less and we all need to pollute less, we need to do it on a step-by-step, on a process way. And what I've been saying is we have to reduce our CO2 days in, days out. Not to say we are going to reduce it in 2050 by uh, zero to be net zero, and we have no idea the kind of path we are going to follow. So yes, uh, we, uh, by the way, we need more gas, and we've seen more uh, gas being uh, produced in the U.S., uh, more gas being produced uh, in Qatar soon, more gas perhaps going to be produced in, in Russia. And, and your question about Canada is an interesting one because Canada may be able to uh, produce more gas, natural gas, and to export it under, natural, um, under liquefied format. And this will help other countries that need more energy to move away from coal. Well, that's the interesting question because just a few years ago, we were expecting Canada would become a net exporter of energy as uh, we headed toward a more renewables reality in the world. But we haven't really done much to create the reality of being able to export our energy. As I said, we we're, we have enough troubles, I suspect, taking care of ourselves domestically looking forward. And people, as this poll points out, 65% of Canadians don't want to pay more to tackle climate change. And they'll turn on politicians. We've had pollsters tell us that. 
And only 25% of Canadians expect COP26 to produce real results. So we have, at the very least, we have a confused uh, population and one that is not prepared to put up with very much. And that would, I, I imagine, be the same situation in Europe. Uh, absolutely. And remember, we are betting the energy transition on this, what I call this uh, dogma of the re- demand reduction and the fact that we have no way to store energy. I mean, everybody is talking about putting more renewable, but we have no storage of electricity. We don't know how to do it. And maybe at the end of the process, if we are able to do it, we will need rare earths from China or from uh, Congo, which is going to create another security of supply issue. So, yes, we need to be pragmatic, and I think we need to take it step by step. And if we are able to produce oil and gas in North America in a way that is uh, the best possible following all uh, new technology, having less methane leakage, etc., etc., this is better for the climate than burning coal in Poland, as we are seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you represented France on uh, the oil markets and advised on emergency issues at the International Energy Agency and the European Commission. And the International Energy a- Agency has said that even if all of the initiatives uh, to uh, to transfer to renewables and get to net zero are met, that by 2060 we're still going to be using 100 million barrels a day of oil globally. So it's not going away. As you said, it's the revenge of the fossil fuels. Uh, absolutely. This is where I think we made this mistake. And remember, the IEA was saying uh, earlier this summer, uh, the net zero needs uh, to us not to invest in oil and gas. This This is a huge mistake, because if we do not invest in oil and gas, we will see what we are seeing right now in Europe and what you're seeing in, in the U.S. also is uh, coal coming back. Uh, and uh, if you burn coal to produce electricity, you produce two times more CO2 emission than if you use gas. So those are really the pragmatic element we should we should do and we should explain to our people. Right. And, and again, as, I, as you said, I'm, I'm a professor, I'm teaching to young uh, students and yeah. they are not aware of all those issues. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.